Yeah, so it's, uh, it's, been, it's been awesome. We're in the middle of a series. Uh, Matt did a fantastic job uh, last week uh, leading us through the next section of, uh, of our little series called Ready to Launch. Uh, basically what we're doing is we're sort of looking at uh, the period of, in Jesus' life, um, really the last week, which, which comprised almost a full half of the book of John. Uh, the last week of Jesus' life, it's like he's cramming uh, for an exam with his disciples. He's got a limited amount of time with them before he's about to be crucified and, uh, and ultimately resurrected. And, and there's a lot of experiences that he's walking them through and some teaching that he's rocking, walking them through, some almost sort of like last words to prepare them. And so uh, as we've been looking at those, uh, those words from uh, John chapter, uh, really from chapter 12 through to 16. And now what we're going to do is we're going to jump in uh, past some of the experiences that they had uh, where uh, their understanding uh, of worship was, was being transformed, their understanding of how to follow Jesus through difficult things, uh, their, their, their questions around how do I move from a place of doubt to a place of belief uh, through to what Matt talked about last week is uh, how do we live in community and how do we live in commitment to one another? How do we live sort of in an unclean world allowing the community around us to sanctify us and transform us and cleanse us? Great word from Matt there too. Uh, on now... Uh, <clears throat> Really, to looking at some of Jesus' teaching. And in particular, what we're going to look at is just a couple of snippets uh, of his teaching on the Holy Spirit. There's, uh, John is so theologically rich that it would be like a, a five to ten week whole other series just to cover the next two chapters. But we're just going to take a couple of sections on the Holy Spirit uh, and, and teach about that and, and talk about it over the next uh, few minutes. I want to tell you a little bit about an astronaut uh, named um, Ed White. Uh, he is the first person to to actually do a spacewalk, an American uh, spacewalk. Uh, so he was the first guy uh, to get launched into space, orbit the Earth, and then get kicked out the door uh, to, uh, to sort of free float in space. And you can actually still see video of this. It's uh, one of these things that space nerds like me really enjoy doing from time to time. I don't watch a lot of quilting videos like my wife does. I watch space nerd videos. And, and uh, that's, uh, that's the way we roll. Um, but uh, but it, he has this experience of sort of being kicked out of his, his uh, spaceship. He, he's got this sort of spirit of an adventurer. He's somebody who, who's about to experience something that no American has ever experienced before and he's got all this cable sort of tangled around him as he sort of kicks himself out the door and he's literally got a, a, a bit of fabric between him and the cold and the vacuum of space and the only thing that's connecting him to his ship is the hose through which air is being pumped and through which uh, there are some wires running so that he can communicate and later in his life, he, he describes that experience as being filled with a sense of exhilaration, a sense of excitement, a sense of like uh, just even, even just like his professional attitude about it. Like he's a professional astronaut, like he's somebody who tests things, who goes faster than anybody's gone before, all of that. But he also describes something uh, else in that moment, uh, and that's just uh, an inkling or a sense of aloneness, a sense of man, the only thing that is connecting me with this ship is this little hose, and I am just out here all alone. And I think uh, for some of us in our, in our Christian walk, in our journey with Jesus, as we're looking to discover what it is that God has for us, we have these moments uh, of feeling like we're just out there and we're all alone. 
It's sort of part of our, our human condition. It's part of our journey that we, we have these moments of going into something new, going into something exciting, going into something interesting, but feeling a little bit disconnected from the world around me. Why are people taking pictures? I don't understand. Um, there's a, <laughs> a sense of, of being, oh boy, uh, you know, a sense of kind of being out there. Um, and that's one of the great challenges, of course, of, of spaceflight. We have uh, thinking about missions to Mars and all of this kind of stuff. Uh, one of the challenges that we have in preparing and training astronauts for what's ahead is, is going out into uh, a sense of isolation, a sense of aloneness, because going into something new is inherently a little bit frightening. Going into something new is inherently a little bit scary. And, uh, and so they have these like isolation tanks that are essentially like the inside of a spaceship that they put people in and just wait and watch them to see how long it takes them to go scooters. You know, like, basically they're, they're like human experiment, like this guy coming out of here, he was in there for six months and he describes uh, the experience of being in this space completely confined, completely isolated from, from people and, and all of the science that they got out of it from everything from uh, sense of aloneness to uh, hallucination to all kinds of stuff and, and even skills degradation. Being out there and being alone and being in this difficult space, some of the things that he was able to do when he went in, he just simply wasn't able to do when he came out. Uh, his function uh, deteriorated. And I think that's kind of what Jesus is, is wanting to walk his disciples through in the book of John because they've had three years of training with him. They've had three years of interaction with him, face-to-face, heart-to-heart uh, relationship with him, but he knows he's ultimately going away. He knows he's ultimately uh, 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 not going to be walking with them as, as a human person, uh, as a living, breathing person. There's something uh, that's going to shift in their relationship, and that's what's uh, coming. Uh, and, and for us to thrive as humans, we simply need connection, don't we? Uh, looking at those astronauts, like, like if they're alone and they're isolated, they degrade. No matter how strong we think we are, we, we just don't do well without human contact, without love, without uh, connection. And Jesus is like, there's a connection with me that's going to feel broken, but ultimately it's not going to be broken. I want to explain to you why that is. Uh, and through that passage in the book of John, he's saying sort of, do not let your hearts be troubled. Uh, there's something uh, good that's about to happen uh, for you and, and for your life. So we're going to look at that a little bit in, in John chapter 14, 15 to 21. Uh, that sort of moment of Jesus uh, sort of doing a handoff between him and the Holy Spirit. Uh, there's a, if you, if you don't have a Bible with you, uh, we probably have some over on the back table there. You could take one if you uh, want to read it, the scriptures on the app. A lot of us use version, and that's just a way that you can, you can grab that. But if you need a Bible, you could turn to it. But let's just read the text and get into it and see what, uh, what the scriptures say to us there. John chapter 14, uh, verses 15 to 21 says this. If you love me, keep my commands, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. On that day you will realize that I am in my father and you are in me and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. 
And I don't know what it's like for you, uh, just hearing that passage or reading it. It's one of those ones that seems uh, kind of circular and kind of repetitive. It's like the guy went on the horse and he got on the horse and it was really great, but then he fell off the horse. And the reason he fell off the horse was because he was uncomfortable and he felt like he was going to fall off the horse. And that uncomfortable feeling that he had on the horse is what made the horse buck and made him fall off the horse. You know, it's like one of those kind of circular crazy things and you read it. So to unpack it and to get the, the, uh, the richness out of it, we just kind of have to go uh, word by word, verse by verse, and just kind of unpack some of the beauty of it. Because it's just one of those passages that you can read and just kind of glaze over it. Did you experience that? You even, even just reading it, your mind's just kind of glazing over a little bit. I think that's, that's often what happens if we, if we don't dig deep enough. Um, so let's just look at this, look at a few words here. The first thing I want to look at is in this first line, this first verse 15, these three words, love, commands, and keep. I want us to just pull a little bit of, uh, uh, of meaning out of those. Uh, that first word, love, is this word that we've heard of from the scriptures before. Uh, you've heard of C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves. You've heard that there are four different Greek words for love described in the scriptures. That first one is agapeo, which re- literally means is a, an overarching, powerful love that prefers somebody over somebody else, that, that prefers you over me. Um, so when we talk about uh, that love that God is longing for us to have, that Jesus is longing for his disciples to have, he's longing for us to just prefer him, to choose him, to prefer God over self, to, to have a, a recognition that, that he is up here and we're here and that we choose him above us. And we're going to see how, how that works out actually for our benefit later. It says that if you love me, my commands you will keep. Uh, that word command speaks to uh, uh, a word that is spoken or issued that is ultimately to lead to a result. A word that is meant to lead to an end game. So I uh, command you, my commands, my end game you will keep. My end game you will be aware of. You will work towards uh, that end game, the, the goal of, what we're, of the kingdom that we've taught about and for so many years, three years with them teaching about the kingdom. My commands you will keep. And that word keep is, is there's a heart to that word that means like to sort of just guard and watch over. To, to sort of brood over, to sort of cherish and nurture and care. So if you want to sort of summarize that, following Jesus in terms of what he's talking about here means making choices that show that you prefer working towards his end game. That's what you prefer to do in life. You prefer to work towards the end game that God has for you. The end game that he has for, for your church, the end game that he has for your family, uh, the end game of the kingdom uh, that, that is coming. And that we're sort of to guard that posture in our lives. That that's something to just sort of watch over and, and care for and nurture. And I don't know what, what your experience is like, but for me, uh, I easily step out of that posture of guarding uh, a desire to follow God's end game, right? Like, I easily step out of that. I so often think that the end game might be to just enjoy watching something on Netflix. <laughs> that seems like just a great... How many of you have felt that was your end game on a given day from time to time? Right? You know, like, like you just got to chill. got to shut it off. got to shut it down. That's not to say that entertainment isn't good, that fun isn't good, that we're supposed to be these driven, uh, sweaty, brow, crinkled brow people all the time. But there's a way in which we're to have a posture that is, is sort of guarding that, that, that thing. Like, like I, I, des- I, I, I desire to do what he wants more than to do what I want. 
That's what he's saying there. If you love me, my commands you'll keep. And so the, the filling of the Holy Spirit that we're going to talk about here is somehow connected to Jesus' mission in our lives. We're going to talk about what that means. Uh, the, the, the filling of the Holy Spirit is, is connected to the mission. Uh, there's something about uh, that passion to do what he's calling us to do that the filling of the Holy Spirit, uh, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit is, is, is all about. Uh, it, says, it says this, uh, just looking again at the same uh, passage, we see that word you there. I want to highlight that to us as well because there's, uh, there's something uh, really important in that, that, um, you know, my commands you will keep, that you is not just you personally, now, we tend to read every you in the scriptures as, uh, as something that is, is very individualistic and very personal, don't we? We tend to read each you as mean, this is something that is for me. My relationship with the Holy Spirit is something that is for me. It is something personal. It is something just internal. But in this case, when Jesus is using this, and in lots of other cases when Paul is using it, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit uh, in, uh, in later on in, in 1 Corinthians, I think it's 1 Corinthians, losing the reference here, where he talks about the, the, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That you is not just a you as an individual. You individual, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's like you collectively, you the church, you the community, uh, all y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. All y'all together are the temple of the Holy Spirit. All y'all uh, are, are keeping my commands together. All y'all are being given an advocate and all y'all will experience him being with you forever. So there's something corporate that's happening here that's not just uh, purely uh, individualistic. There's something a little bit more there. N.T. Wright says it like this, uh, saying that this giving of the Holy Spirit isn't just for us as, as people, as individuals. It isn't just for our own personal experience. N.T. Wright articulates it like this. He says, uh, the Holy Spirit and the task of the church, the two work together hand in hand, and we can't talk about them apart. Despite what you might think from the excitement in the previous generation about new spiritual experiences, he's referring to the charismatic renewal of the 70s there, God doesn't give us the Holy Spirit only in order to let us enjoy the spiritual equivalent of a day at Disneyland. <laughs> and right for some of us, that's what our experience of the Holy Spirit is. Like, like it is amazing, it, it, it is joyful, it is, it is life-bringing, uh, it is fun. And, and I, we literally, I was part of a church in Toronto that literally uh, coming to see what the Holy Spirit doing was something that people were doing out of a deep sense of need, but it was also literally tourism. Like we literally got a letter from a large hotel chain uh, saying that, we, that thank you very much for these conferences you're running. We've now done $50 million of business related to your church. $50 million in two years. Like unbelievable, right? So there's a way in which we sort of look at the Holy Spirit as like this amazing, entertaining, fun thing. And it is, like it's amazing. N.T. Wright goes on to say this, says, of course, if you're downcast and gloomy, the fresh wind of God's Spirit can and does give you a new perspective on everything and above all grants a sense of God's presence, love, comfort, and joy. Absolutely. Uh, that personal uh, blessing of relationship with the Holy Spirit is a part of what it's about. But the primary purpose of Jesus giving the Spirit is to enable those who follow Jesus, and I love this, to take into all the world the news that he is Lord, that he has won the victory over the forces of evil, that a new world has opened up, and that we are to help him make it happen. 
the giving of the Holy Spirit is about this incredible mission that we're on. It's about this incredible task that's before us, this incredible thing that we're, we're called to do. And sometimes as people, like if we, depending on where we've grown up, uh, my own background, uh, growing up in a, in a church that didn't really have a grid for the Holy Spirit and what he was about, uh, I, I felt a lot of pressure to do the stuff that God had called me to do. Uh, but I, I didn't have a sense of, of power and presence around how I was about to do that. Right? How many of you sort of grew up in, in a space like that or, or maybe you're even living in a space like that now where we're connected with a sense of the magnitude of the mission that God has for us. I, I often point us as a church to think about the guy who is out there uh, two streets over who is sitting in a, in a creaky chair in a dark room watching Netflix who doesn't know that he could come and connect and encounter with the person and presence of Jesus. Right? There's, there's, uh, there's that person that we want to reach. A good part of what we're doing on Sunday morning is to, is to figure out how to reach that person. Um, but, but we could preach about that and we can put all that pressure on us and we can drive us to do that and, and point us towards the mission. But if we didn't let you know that you could be empowered by the Holy Spirit to achieve that, uh, it, it, would, it would suck. Right? It sucks to be under the pressure to do something and not have the ability to do it. And you guys know what that's like from your careers. You know what that's like from different places in your work. You know what it's like to be working somewhere, to know that you have to accomplish a task that's impossible for you. And it's not a happy and a joyful and a fun place to live. So the Holy Spirit uh, is given to us uh, to help us achieve the things that God has called us to do. But on the other hand... We are not meant to have his power and presence without having some stuff to do with it. Right? Because we've seen the other side. We've seen uh, in the hyper-charismatic churches and some of the places where I've been and I've grown up where, where you've got the Holy Spirit falling like crazy, but no sense of, you know, all this about uh, the Lord is just going to improve me. The Lord is just going to touch me. He's going to change me. He's going to make me new. But no sense of a calling out to something greater. No sense of a calling to mission. No sense of, uh, hey, we want to reach that guy in, in the creaky chair. And in a way, that gets sort of rotten and sick inside too if we're purely in it for our experience. So there's a, there's a calling in our lives to be following Jesus and pursuing him and knowing that he's going to empower us with the Spirit to do the stuff that God has called us to do. Uh, it's, it, it's an incredibly beautiful thing to be in that sweet spot of being on the mission and empowered. And isn't that where we want to live, right? On the mission and empowered. That's sort of what we're longing for. That's what we're, we're, we're seeking. Uh, going further on, uh, he just says it like this. He says, I will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. So that, that word advocate, that parakletos, is a word that's used to describe uh, the Holy Spirit in the Greek, and it really talk, speaks to uh, a legal advocate, somebody who uh, literally comes alongside you into the court of public opinion, into the court of law, into uh, whatever it is that you're, you're about to face, and is there standing with you uh, to help you accomplish what it is that you're called to accomplish, to help you communicate your story and, and do all of that. So, so the Holy Spirit is given to help us and then be with you forever. And, and, and that's what I love. He comes alongside us to help us achieve his objective and ultimately just for relationship when the mission's over. 
right? So he's pointing to heaven. He's pointing to uh, an eternity with the new heaven and the new earth. He's saying, hey, by the way, I just want you to know that when the job's done, I'm not going to ditch you, right? And I, and I think that's really important for us is, is to not see God as someone who's using us, right? That God is not using you. You're not just a tool uh, for him. You're not just a... Uh, you know, like a, a, a fork or a spoon or a hammer or a shovel, right? You're on this mission with him and this time in our life uh, when we're here on this planet is really, really important for us as we go forward to do that stuff that he's called us to do. But at the same time, he's not going to just discard us when that mission is accomplished. He's going to dwell with you and be with you forever because he loves you and he loves your presence. So the way in which this is about doing and about being, all at once, about doing and a being. It goes on to say this, says, um, uh, the world cannot accept him, the spirit of truth, because it neither sees him nor knows him. We'll spend a lot of time on that. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. Um, it's just so important to see the Holy Spirit not as a separate, distinct, distant part of, of the Trinity who's way the heck over there. You have Father and Son, and when you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. And when you've seen the Holy Spirit, you've seen some crazy uncle, right? <laughs> right? When you've seen the Holy Spirit, you've seen Jesus. If you want to know what he is like, if you want to know what the character of the Holy Spirit is like, you need to know what Jesus is like. And so, uh, so often uh, what we've seen is, you know, I've seen lots of uh, wonderful, beautiful, empowered uh, moving of the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit and healings and miracles. I've seen amazing things. And I've also seen people move uh, claiming to be acting under the power of the Spirit, but not moving in anything that even approaches the character of Jesus and who he is. Right? If you want to know what the Holy Spirit is doing, and if you want to know if what you're seeing is the Holy Spirit, uh, you, you have to look at it and say, is it, is it Jesus that I'm seeing? Am I seeing someone that is like Jesus? Am I seeing the Holy Spirit be the same person who said, blessed are the meek, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed, right? Am I seeing uh, so in, the, in the Holy Spirit the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control? Uh, so when we're looking at the work of the Holy Spirit and, and everything that's going on uh, with it, uh, we want to see the character of the Spirit of Jesus uh, in all of that. We want to see that person. And so that's what Jesus is saying to them. So when the Spirit comes, he's looking ahead to Acts, uh, to the story of the Holy Spirit coming into the upper room with the disciples. They're, they're praying, they're longing for the Spirit to come. Jesus has told them to go there and wait for it, uh, the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit comes in the room, boom, like a mighty rushing wind, flames of tongues of fire on their heads, like this crazy, crazy experience. And then they're going to go out from there to the whole world uh, at preaching the gospel because they're empowered to do it. And what he's saying there is, you know, as you go, hey, remember, this is me. This is me. Go in my spirit. Go in my way. Go in my character. If you want to know what the mission of Jesus is about and how the spirit wants to tackle it, we just need to see how Jesus tackled it. And we'll understand the character and the heart of, of Jesus. Uh, just to unpack another couple of pieces from that verse. Um, For he lives with you and will be in you. What he's saying is that here I am. I'm with you. I'm hanging out with you, I'm near you, but I ultimately, uh, I want to go to a place of being inside you. We talked about that when we did communion. 
And I think that's really, really, that's, that's what it's all about for us. I think, I think as people, in terms of being empowered people. Uh, when we look at the scriptures, we, we look at Jesus and we look at who he is, and even teachings like this on the Holy Spirit, uh, for, for, for a lot of us, for the most part, even, even just this way of communicating, this sort of lecture-style way of communicating, it's largely a cognitive thing, right? It's largely out there. Um, and for me, that was my experience that, that I grew up with in terms of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have heard me share uh, these pieces of my testimony, but uh, I grew up singing songs about the Holy Spirit. Uh, they, he, was, he wasn't like absent from the hymns I grew up singing. He was in there. Uh, I wasn't, uh, ab, you know, it wasn't like God wasn't a part of the story that I was growing up with. He was, he was there. We had the theology in the hymns. Uh, I was experiencing Jesus through uh, understanding about him and trying to live the way that I was supposed to live based on who he is. And all of that sort of cognitive processing was sort of going through my head where I would see something and I would say, yeah, that is something I should know and I should try to live that way and I should try to do that thing. And, and God was kind of in this out there sort of space or this in here sort of space. But uh, I think that's meant to be just a piece of it for us, right? Like it's not that we're supposed to turn our brains off to become Christians, but, uh, but, but there's, there's something more, isn't there? When I was when I was a 17-year-old kid, and again, apologies to those of you who've heard me tell this story, but it's just, it's my story. Um, when I was a 17-year-old kid, I, I was on a Christmas Eve just before uh, the 23rd of December. I thought, yeah, I should kind of read the scriptures because that's what Christian kids do. And I kind of cracked open my Bible. And I was like, okay, I'll read the Christmas story because the Christmas story is what you read because it's around Christmas. It's just like sort of this, just as barely sort of grudging drawing towards the scriptures like yeah I guess I'm going to do this thing because that's what I do and, and, and I had this incredible encounter with the spirit in my, in my room like I literally felt the Holy Spirit like Jesus standing behind me in my room and I literally felt like there was a bright you know that feeling you have when you have your hand in front of a light bulb and you feel that heat on your hand I literally felt that on my back and I heard the Lord say to me, uh, four words, minister to my people. That was my, my calling to ministry experience. Um, and I remember feeling like a, a, an incredible worm. Like I remember feeling like in the presence of holiness, like he saw every broken and sinful and, and unholy thing about me. And at the same time, he, while he knew all of that, I felt like deeply and intimately loved. Like, like right from the inside out. But what that experience uh, with, with Jesus did for me was it just radically changed my life. All of a sudden, God was, was no longer like the God who was out there and in the Bible and in the hymnal and all of that. All of a sudden, he was God in my room. <laughs> right? That's crazy. It's crazy. That's nothing special about me. It's because I was too daft to get it any other way. It's going to be easier for all of you. And it has been easier for all of you, I'm sure, those of you who've experienced the reality of the presence of God. But he, he went at that moment from being out there and here and cognitive and all of that to being uh, someone to be tangibly experienced. And that's, that's what Jesus is talking about when he says... Uh, he lives with you. I live with you here, but I will be in you. 
And there's a way in which theologically we kind of believe, Nicky Gumbel uh, sort of describes this in his teaching on the Holy Spirit. There's a way in which we kind of, you know, as we're Christians, we understand uh, God is inside of us, right? We invited Jesus into our heart. He lives inside of us. Uh, the way Nicky Gumbel describes it is like as a, as a pilot light, right, in an old furnace. How many of you know how that works? Your furnace has a little flame that's uh, used to sort of, con newer furnaces don't quite operate that way, I don't think, but there's just this little flame that kind of is just constantly burning in there, a little bit of natural gas or propane that's just kind of constantly burning. And then every now and then, when, when you crank the thermostat, you know, the, the pipes open up and all the fuel comes in and all of a sudden this little flame is like, right? And, and the fire is burning and the heat is coming, right? Well, that's what it was like for me, and I think that's what it's meant to be for us. There's a way in which we live with a sense of the presence of God with us all the time, but I don't think God just wants us to be like a little pilot-like kind of Christian. I think he wants, <laughs> he wants the fire, he wants the flame, he wants us to live lives that are lit up by his power and by his glory. And that's uh, for us just a constant uh, calling of his spirit to come and to meet with us and to fill us again. Uh, he goes on to say this, he says, I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. And many of us grew up as Christians, uh, and I think, I think this is something that so many of us experience, especially those of us who have been Christians for a long time. Uh, we, we had this amazing sort of encounter with Jesus when we were, when we were first uh, new believers, right? Like, like everything seemed so alive to us and so awake to us. But there's a way in which that sense of power and presence uh, has, has receded over time. Have, have you guys experienced that? Like it, it feels like uh, the light is a little bit dimmer. It feels a little bit distant. And most of us are, are, are living in some ways like we, we've been orphaned, like we met Jesus and we know he's our father and we know he's, he's God, but then he's gone somewhere. And just all he left behind is a book. We've got this beautiful, wonderful, awesome, incredible book. And it is so valuable. It is so important. And we have so much passion to get out of it, everything that we can but he doesn't want us to see this and find inside just a historical figure. He wants this to point us to uh, a living relationship, a powerful living relationship. Uh, there's just so much more for us. Uh, we see in uh, the book of Acts chapter 19, verses one and two, uh, it, says, it says this, let me just read the text. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the interior and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples and he asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you became believers? No, they answered, we have not even heard there's a Holy Spirit. I think a lot of us live like that. Like, like those people that, that, you know, they had the gospel preached to them. They had uh, this story, uh, the need for repentance. All of that stuff was something that they knew, something that they'd taken on board, something that they understood. Their relationship with God was somehow connected to duty. And they were kind of excited about it. But there's this person that, that Jesus had meant to give them as a gift to empower them and to strengthen them and to light them up. Like, that wasn't inside of them that they didn't know about, they, that they could be believers without having the fullness of that experience and that life. And I think that for some of us, that that's been our experience. We, we are believers. We, we follow Jesus. We know him. We've, we've got this connection with him. Uh, the pilot light is burning, but the, the furnace isn't on yet. 
And I, and I just long for us as a church, and I long for myself again and again to, to be able to crank that thermostat and turn the furnace on. To live lives that are just so much more empowered. To be able to look at the stuff that's before you and to be able to say, that's not daunting to me anymore because the Spirit lives in me. I can do that thing. That's not impossible for me because it's not impossible for God and God is inside of me. There is so much more that is possible for you than you know. And he goes on, he says that, he says, on this day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are in me and I am in you. It's like those Russian nesting dolls. Any of you ever seen those little wooden dolls where you got one stacked inside one, stacked inside one, stacked inside one? And most of us live with this sense that, yeah, we're in Jesus, we're in him. Like, we're Christians, we're in the family, we've got that. Uh, because Jesus is in the Father. So we've got this connection with the Father through Jesus. We got that part figured out. And then Jesus' little punchline is, hey, and by the way, and I'm in you. So being a, being a believer, uh, living life to the fullest that God has for us, we're surrounded from the inside and out. We're in him and he's in us. There's no getting away from uh, the beauty and the power and the glory of that. That there's more. There's so much more for us. There's so much more. We're surrounded. It's a, and what's that like? It says, the one who loves me will be loved by my father. And so he describes it as now as a relationship of love. As a relationship of intimacy. As a relationship uh, of beauty. So our vocation as people in whom the spirit dwells, as we go up with the mission, is supported by, by, by not just power, but, but supported by love, by a loving relationship, by an interaction that's meant to be beautiful and intimate and deep. And he goes on to say this, I too will love them and show myself to them. So there's an intimacy that's meant to come with this. There's an intimacy with Jesus that's meant to come. Uh, I will love them and I will show myself to them. So Jesus expresses his love through self-disclosure. Right? And that's... It's really quiet in here. <laughs> Preaching against the furnace is crazy, but now it's super quiet. It's a sign. The wind of the Spirit is about to come when the furnace goes on next. Uh, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Don't we want to live uh, like that in this incredibly empowered life of, of intimacy where, where we're experiencing the power and the beauty of Jesus as we go about his mission and we're getting to know him better and better and better and better. And there's just so much more. And for me, I think that's just, that's just all I really have, I think, to, uh, to leave us with is um, the sense that, you know, it, it's, it's not about this sort of guilty disposition that we sort of sometimes have. Like, Jesus being near us is him just seeing the messes inside of us. Uh, you know, we're cleansed by his blood. We're washed by his blood. He's, he's made us new. He's not just interested in fixing us all the time. Like, he's interested in being with us. He's interested in, uh, in, in loving you, and he's interested in showing himself to you. Uh, the, the beauty of the intimacy that we were meant to experience with Jesus, it goes two ways. It's not just about him getting our lives. It's about us getting his life. Right? 
It's about us getting something of him. It's, a, it's about this incredible gift. And so the question really just for us is this. Will we uh, invite the spirit to move uh, from being somebody who's with us and somebody who's around us and somebody who's near us to just a new way of inviting him to be somebody who's inside of us? Isn't that what we want? We want to go from little pilot light to right? Right? Now, now there's some resistances that we have to that, right? We, 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 we have some fears that are around that. I think uh, sometimes we, we fear, one, maybe we're not worthy. Maybe like we just aren't clean enough. We've just got stuff in our lives that he can't fill us that way. There's too much junk in there. Well, that's what the cross is all about. He's, he's cleansed us. He's washed us. He's, he's taken that uh, away. And for some of us, it's like just fear, right? We're afraid of um, stuff and stuff going on in our lives. We're afraid of becoming wackos or we're afraid of, of like, I remember when, when I first experienced the spirit, like I was so excited about it. Uh, you know, I was, I was working at Salem Storehouse and, and, and I was like, I was seeing God like under every bush and like there's a miracle around every corner. And I remember like seeing this guy out in the parking lot and his car wouldn't start. And I went running out there like, dude, let me pray for your car. Right. And I'm running out into the parking lot and I want to lay hands on this dude's car to pray for it. And he like jumps in his car and rolls up the window. <laughs> right? Like, who is this freak coming after me, right? <laughs> right? And I'm like, yeah, yelling through the window, no, really? Jesus just wants to heal your car, man. And he's like, yeah. So I prayed for his car anyway, and it's like, and I came around to the window, and I'm like, dude, dude, I'll try to start your car. And it actually started. It was awesome. God healed his car. It was a miracle. And, it, and, then, and then he just drove away, <laughs> left me standing there, and I went inside. It was like, you know. It's like, maybe you will get a little wacko for a while, but, but, it, but the, wouldn't you rather have the furnace on and be a little wacko than have the, the furnace off and, and have nothing going on? Right? Like, we do want to do it in health and we want to move in, in, in beauty, but, but do we want to invite him from being just with us and out there to being inside of us in a new way? And Jesus said, uh, said this when he was talking about, about it. He said, uh, you know, if you ask your heavenly father for bread, is, is he going to give you a stone? Like your heavenly father, like your father, like your father who loves you, if you ask him for bread, is, is a father who loves you going to give you a stone? Yeah. <laughs> hey! <laughs> if, you, if you ask him for fish, is he going to, yeah, my son. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, that is my child. <laughs> I, you may ask for bread, and I may not give you white bread. I'm giving you the healthy stuff. <laughs> Where do I go from there? <laughs> if, you ask, if you ask him for fish, is he going to give you a snake? If you ask him for an egg, is he going to give you a, a scorpion? Right? Like, he's going to give you something good. You can have confidence that God is good. So let's just stand and pray to receive the Holy Spirit. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> right? So, so is, that, is that your experience? You want more of the Spirit? We want more, right? And, and we've been filled before. Some of us have experienced the filling of the Holy Spirit before. Uh, but we leak. Right? We leak. So we want to be filled again and continually filled. Uh, actually, it's even in the, in the text when it says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's, it's a continual, be being filled with the Holy Spirit.
So let's just open our hands. It's just a, and this is just what we did at the Alpha thing yesterday. We just opened our hands, just a posture uh, that is saying we want to receive something from God. Lord, you've promised us the Holy Spirit. You've promised us that we wouldn't have to do your mission and feel isolated and alone. That we wouldn't have to do this thing and, and be lonely. That we wouldn't have to do this thing under the pressure to accomplish something without any sense of empowerment. You mean for us to be filled and to be empowered and to be with you, to be connected. That's your promise. And we just, we just ask you to fulfill your word in our lives. Come, Holy Spirit. We pray that ancient prayer of the church. The most ancient prayer and song of the church. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us up. Come into our lives like a mighty rushing wind. Come into our lives with tongues of fire, that symbol of passion, and reignite us again. Come, Holy Spirit. Release your gifts. Release encouragement. Release a sense of, of, of humility and authority. Release a sense of, of, of we can do what you're calling us to do. Release confidence. Take away our fears. Come fill us up.